Welcome, and thanks for joining us at the Central Baptist Podcast. Now, here's today's message. As the uh, Kiwana staff are finding their seats, I just want to say to you, dear friends, that uh, this prayers, these prayers that were offered are really a sense of us sending you. The word commission means to send out, and uh, we want to have... Uh, want you to have a sense of us sending you as a part of our church to do God's work at camp this summer. So bless you. Let's just, uh, let's just say thank you again to them for being with us today. We're so glad you're here. It's my privilege now to invite Ben Woodman to come and share the word with us. Ben Woodman has been a youth pastor for many years. I met him about five minutes ago, so I'm trying to remember, remember all the lines. <laughs> but Ben, we're so glad you're here. Ben is, was a part of the founding and is continuing to be a part of the Youth Alpha videos. If you've seen some of them, maybe you've seen Ben. But uh, Ben, we're delighted to have you come and share with us. Welcome to Central. Thank you so much. What a joy to be with you. Good morning, church. And good morning to those of you watching online. It's so good to be with you. Uh, I am Ben, coming from Vancouver, uh, long time involved in youth ministry. I've, uh, I've been involved in youth ministry for a long time, would be a, a proper sentence way to say that. Um, let me read you one of my favorite passages, uh, paraphrased in the message translation by Eugene Peterson in Ephesians chapter 1. Verses three to ten. Uh, at camp right now, uh, this is a kind of I'm I'm bringing this this verse. This is the third time. Some of the, I noticed a bunch of the the camp staff started smiling because this is the third message that I'm giving, and it's the third time I'm talking about Ephesians one verses three to ten. And I actually have money on the table if you memorize Ephesians one uh, three to ten, three to twelve for them. Uh, I'm I uh, I'm going to give you twenty bucks, and so. Uh, someone already did, and he did it so fast that we gave him 50, okay? So, because uh, he did it in like 10 hours or something. I don't know, it was crazy. And so, uh, let me read this to you. It says, how blessed is God, and what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Jesus Christ, and takes us to the high places of blessing in him. Long before he laid down earth's foundations, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love, to be made whole, and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift giving by the hand of his beloved son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, the blood poured out on the altar of the cross. We're a free people, free of penalties and punishments chalked up by all our misdeeds. And not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set it all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him, everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet Earth. Our theme this summer uh, for Quanos is All Systems Go. Even though the world is broken, God's plans are not. There's a lot of things in the world, there's a lot of systems that are not all systems go. But when it comes to the plan of God set in place before the creation of the world, it's all systems go. Long before he laid down the earth's foundations, he had us in mind, 
had settled on us as the focus of his love. And because of Jesus, the Messiah's sacrifice, his blood poured out on the cross, we can enter into this, this relationship, adoption into the family, and this celebration of this lavish gift giving. God is so good. He's so kind. He sustains us. And it's all systems go for grace. It's all systems go for love. It's all systems go for the plan of God for this generation. And we get to be a part of it, a small part of it, in our communities, in our families, in our workplaces, and this summer for a lot of the people in the room with the blue shirts at camp, okay? We get to be a part of what God is doing in our generation. And it's all systems go. The world is broken, but God's plan is not. Uh, our theme verse is John 10.10. 10. Many of you will know John 10.10. 10. Uh, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he's, and he's telling them about a, a, a sheep, and a, uh, the shepherd and the sheep, and then he goes on to say, the thief will come to steal, kill, and destroy. Are you familiar with this passage? But I have come to, that they may have life and have it to the full. He says, the thief wants to come and steal and kill and destroy. And there's so much in the systems of the world, in our own hearts of sinful selfishness, that want to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we would have life and have it to the full. And so our prayer this summer is that kids and youth uh, from all over, from all sorts of different backgrounds, would hear about Jesus and their lives would be changed. That they would understand that he loves them so much. Uh, uh, like was already mentioned, I, I work with Alpha for many years. Uh, I'm not on full-time staff with them, but I still love representing Alpha. And the founder of Alpha was a man named Nicky Gumbel. Not the founder, but the pioneer of Alpha who made it known around the world is a man named Nicky Gumbel. And uh, one of the, my favorite Nicky Gumbel impressions is to say, you are loved, but like Nicky Gumbel. So it's a British accent. Some of you are British. Don't be upset if I get it wrong. But Nicky goes like this. He goes, you are loved. So I just let me just try it again. You are loved. And that's the that's and then he goes, that's that's the message at the heart of the New Testament, and that's the message at the heart of the universe. And I'm like, wow, what a message. You are loved. Okay. And the camp the the staff have actually been practicing their British accents. Can we just on count of three? Can we just you are loved? One, two, three. You are loved. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's awesome. So you are. It's true. You are loved. That's the message. And Jesus came that we would have life and life to the fullest. I want to take us to a familiar passage for many of us in Mark chapter 2 today and tell you an encounter uh, that Jesus had with uh, some of his disciples and the, the crowds and uh, this one uh, group of guys in particular and just kind of pull out some encouragement and then I'll pray together and send us off. Does that sound all right? Let me jump into Mark chapter 2. Uh, let me just open up the, here we go. Mark chapter 2, uh, and the, the headline in my Bible, I'm reading out of the NIV, is Jesus forgives and heals a paralyzed man. Okay, Jesus forgives and heals a paralyzed man. It says this, a few days later, when Jesus entered Capernaum, uh, again entered, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof. Oh, okay, just an opening in the roof. Uh, above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. I think sometimes when I picture this story, that's my favorite part, obviously, because 
they dug through a roof. And maybe even if it was, let's say it was a tiled roof situation, like just imagine you were there for a moment, like there's such a big crowd, they can't get in. And so they start digging through the roof. Jesus is just chatting. He's teaching maybe like now, but picture in like a home, you know, and I'm picturing a flat roof, you know, in the Middle East. I think they got a lot of flat roofs. And, uh, and they just start digging. And then what does it sound like? How long does Jesus keep talking? Does he pause and wait? You know, digging, isn't a, is, you know, digging through a roof isn't necessarily a fast thing. You know, you're digging and then you maybe, maybe they t- did they take a break? Did they have a coffee break while they were digging? They have a water break. Maybe what did they, what did they use? Did they bring tools? Were they prepared for this situation? Were they like, oh, or what, did one of the guys live close? And he goes, hold on, I got, I'll get something. He goes to his house, get some tools. I don't know. Did they just use rocks, right? Did, what did, how did this happen? Did they roll the guy off the mat gently and use the, the, the beams of the mat to like just start chipping away at the roof? This is what my mind, I don't know, maybe this is why I'm a good youth speaker and camp speaker because I just go right into it and I think it's really funny because then how big is the hole? They lowered a guy through a hole in a roof? How big is the hole? Are you imagining it? Like you have options here. If you tie the guy really tight, you can make a small hole and put him in perpendicular. Is that the word? Like up, vertical. Like, and he's just sliding. He's like, guys, guys, guys. And, and they're like, trust me, trust me, right? He's like, I trusted you last time. That's how I got into this situation with the paralyzed. No, I don't know. He's just like, what was the situation? <laughs> how big was the hole? And then, or like, and he's like, no, no, back out, back out. And so they, everyone's downstairs. They're like, there's a hole in the roof now. It's small. We're waiting for it to get bigger. Did heads gradually pop up? Was one of the guys shy? Was he like, don't let the crowd see my face. My mom will be so upset if she sees that I dug through this roof. Uh, the scholar and author uh, N.T. Wright, he says that, uh, that many people believe that this was actually Jesus' house, right? So it says Jesus had come home. He's back in Capernaum. He'd come home, and the crowd had heard, and there was a, a, such a large crowd, they gathered. So this is Jesus' house. He's like, you know, did his mom live with him? How, would, how was Mary feeling about the whole situation? These are questions that are very enjoyable to consider, Okay, so then they're, they're lowering the man on the mat, and they say, okay, he's too scared to go down vertically. We've got to make it. It's a huge hole now. How tall was he? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> How tall was the guy? <laughs> like, you're like, why does this matter? It matters because this is a beautiful story of what Jesus is about to do, and it's more fun to think of all the details. So he lowered the man on the mat in front of Jesus, and then this is where it gets it's, it's spiritual. Jesus says... He says, when Jesus saw their faith, their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? So the religious leaders, the teachers of the law are sitting there and they're upset. They're like, how dare he say, son, your sins are forgiven? I don't think they were the only people who had you know, thoughts in that moment. Can you imagine the guys who just brought their friend to Jesus because they had heard stories about Jesus? Maybe Jesus can be the one. Maybe he could heal our friend. They brought him to Jesus, and then Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven. I imagine the guys up top in the hole kind of looking at each other's sins. I don't know. Maybe one of them didn't quite get the significance of it and was like, it's his legs. Jesus, his legs, he needs to be healed. Like, what happened in that moment? They're sitting there going, sins are forgiven. People are confused. They're teachers of the law. Are, their backs are up against the wall. And it says that Jesus immediately knew in his spirit that this is what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man? Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. 
But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Verse 12 of Mark chapter 2 says, He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. I can imagine. He says, your sins are forgiven. And then he goes and describes, he goes, which is easier to say? Take your mat and walk or your sins are forgiven. But he says, I want you to know the son of man. As if to say, I want you to know I, that I have authority on earth to forgive sins. He's putting himself in the position of having the same authority as our father in heaven to forgive sins. And how does he do this? Well, he has in mind what he's called to do. He has in mind what he wants to do for all of us, to lay down his life in love. And what's beautiful in this story is like the man gets healed. And that's like, I love that. It's beautiful. It's powerful. Imagine how life-changing that would be, to be healed of being, of being paralyzed. It's amazing. But there's something that Jesus is doing that's about the deeper problem. Right? He doesn't just, he, right in front of it, it's obvious why this man is here. But he goes, I know what he really needs. He knows what we really need. And what we really need is for our sins to be forgiven. And so he didn't like just, just get someone else to do it. He didn't just heal legs. He gave his life on the cross, right? We were singing about it this morning. He gave his life on the cross in love, not begrudgingly. Is it grudgingly or begrudgingly? Begrudgingly? Is grudgingly a word? If you're online, why don't you just throw in the chat if you think grudgingly is a word, and uh, we'll review it later, and, uh, and then I'll decide to change my language. He was begrudgingly, begrudgingly, he, he didn't give his life with, with an attitude. He gave his life with a generous spirit. I love them so much. I love you so much. I want to give my life for you. I want to pour out my life for you. It's the, the cross, what is it to say in, uh, in, in, what am I thinking, in Romans 5. Is it 5? Romans 5, 8? For God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us all to change our minds and to repent. He didn't wait for us all to believe in him. He didn't wait for this man to believe. He, these people showed up with faith and trust, acknowledging that he was the one, the source. And he said, your sins are forgiven. Do we make it a little bit more complicated than it needs to be? Like he's so ready to forgive sins, right? They showed up with trust, right? And some people, I've, that's been our, our experience. Some people, when they come give their lives to Jesus, they just need someone to tell them that they could that they could come to Jesus, put their trust in him. He's so ready to forgive sin. He's so generous. He's so kind. And I pray that he makes us more like him in that way. I pray that he makes our churches in Canada more like him in that way. I pray that he makes all of our camps more like him in that way, that we're so ready to say, God loves you. God forgives you. God is gracious. How do I know? Because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's beautiful. He really likes us. He really likes us. He gave it all. The world is broken, but God's plan isn't. He came that we would have life and life to the fullest. And a huge part of that life is experiencing the love and forgiveness and the freedom from shame and guilt that he offers us. 
the transformative power of love that he, in our hearts, he pours out his love to such a degree that it makes us want to obey, that it gives us strength to obey. I'm, uh, I'm married, and uh, my wife, I told the camp uh, a few times, uh, my wife and I are expecting our first baby. Pretty excited. Yeah, thank you. And, and uh, we're really excited. We've been try- I told, the, told the, the staff here, like, uh, we've been trying for many years. We're one of those couples who, we've been married for 16 years, and it's probably been a journey of about 12 years of trying to start a family. And uh, so we're just really grateful to Jesus that uh, my wife is 25 weeks this weekend. And, uh, and another fun fact is my wife, she works as a NICU nurse, and a nurse in the NICU where, with the sick premature babies and maybe babies who are born at full term but are really sick. And so her and her staff friends are like heroes, right? And, but she, we know kids who are 25 weeks. And so isn't that wild? Like some of these babies were born at 24, 25 weeks. And so she knows, she's like, she, could, she has faces and names and families that she's worked with uh, who are this old. So that feels wild, right? Our baby's like, wow, like don't come now, keep cooking. But, <clears throat> but, but, but it's like wild to know, oh, we know, we've met babies. They have some, lots of challenges when you're born too early, but, but it's just beautiful. So we're really excited. But why did I uh, randomly tell you that uh, I'm married and that I, I uh, am having a baby? Because I was thinking about how love motivates us. Uh, I was thinking about how you don't have to convince me to like honor my wife when I'm not with her uh, because she loves me. And that love is a powerful motivator. It's not just that I love her and want her not to be angry at me. It's actually that I feel loved and supported by her. And so when I am in, uh, away from her, I still want to honor her and, and do what is, is right uh, by her. And, and I love returning to her when, I'm, when I've been away. And so I just think of that because like, there's a motivating power of love. And that's how God set it up, right? He says uh, he first loved us, right? We love because he first loved us. And there's that other uh, passage in scripture uh, right near that one, in, in maybe in 1 John, where it talks about he first loved us. Oh, that one about um, uh, perfect love casts out fear, right? Perfect love pushes out fear. Fear sells. Fear gets views. Fear gets clicks and ratings. And so the news and media and the things that trend on, on social media platforms and YouTube and stuff are things that are, are outrage and fear. And they sell. And right now we're in the middle of, of the craziest time in history that we've lived through of division and polarization. And a lot of that is because there's fear and outrage and, and just being spread all over. Why? Because it sells. Right? Thinking back uh, to 2016 election in the U.S., and they're like, one of the biggest chants was build a wall. What is, that's like, they're, they're, they're afraid of people. They're, there's fear, right? And now immigration, there's a lot of challenges. I'm not trying to get political today, but I'm saying that's a message of fear. That's like, you should be afraid, right? And let's all get afraid together. And, but we don't believe that fear is the most powerful force. The Bible teaches me that there's no greater love than laying down your life. The Bible teaches me, the scripture, when I look at the life of Jesus, it wasn't fear that was most powerful. He wasn't selling fear. He wasn't pushing outrage. He was pushing love, sacrificial, self-giving love. And he laid down his life for us. And it's so powerful that it changed all of human history. That now we can be forgiven, restored to relationship with God, and enter into life and life to the fullest. The world is broken, but God's plan isn't. We're all systems go on the gospel this summer. And where I thought we could leave it, and I'll say a prayer for us, is today, is 
I think of these, it says Jesus saw their faith, this plural form. It wasn't just one of them. It was this group of people that came together for a purpose. Let's get our friend to Jesus. And it says Jesus saw their faith and he responded. And I think in many ways we can be like those friends, right? And even this morning, we already were. We were praying for these staff and we were praying for these campers. We had all their names on these posters. Can you pass me one? Yeah, pass me that. You just run it up. Thank you. Well, what, look at you, wrote a prayer. I pray for all those children that they, that they know that they are loved by God, a God of love. Sorry, I didn't read that smooth. I know it wasn't smooth, but you get the idea. Did you get it? We're praying for all the children that they would know that they're loved by a God of love. They're so loved. And we have these names of these kids that we've been praying for. I, sometimes when we pray for people to know the love of God, doesn't it feel a little bit like we're, we're like those friends? We're like, let's bring our friends to Jesus. Let's bring these kids to Jesus. Let's think about your own life. Think about your, your uh, I'll put this here. Think about your, your people in your family. Some of your dear friends, some of the people you worked with for many years. Think about how Jesus loves them so much. And we can be like those friends and say, God, like that. Sometimes when I think of the word intercession, I imagine in my mind, I'm taking my friends on one hand and I'm taking the Lord Jesus Christ on the other and I'm bringing my friends to Jesus. I'm saying, Lord, Lord, and, I, and I'm, I'm just grabbing a friend. Just grabbing Sean or, or, or Corey, and I'm saying, hey, change, change his life, Jesus. In my prayers, I'm bringing my friends to Jesus. And they did it with action, too. And so I'm blown away by these staff. They're there all summer, loving, te- loving teenagers and kids, pouring out their lives, eating camp food, staying in, in beds that aren't probably as comfortable as their own bed at home. And if they are more comfortable than their own bed at home, then we need to get them better beds at home. But... They're, they're self-sacrificing. They're giving their lives in action. They're making spaces, times, challenge course. I love that, man, that when they show up with fear in their eyes and then they, they leave with a sense of like, oh my goodness, I can conquer the world. It's like the best thing ever. It's so good. And so we, we're doing that at camp this summer, but we can do that in our lives and our families and our places of work. Why don't we pause and pray? And why don't, in, in our hearts and minds, let's pull up, one or two or three names of people that we want to bring to Jesus in prayer this morning. Thinking of these friends who brought their friend to Jesus and it made a huge difference. And then we'll, I'll leave a, a, moment, a few more moments of silence. Maybe if there's like one or two things that Jesus wants, some actions he wants to put on our hearts by his spirit. And then the, the final thing I'll do is I'll just pray a blessing over you. Does that sound all right? So why don't we start by just uh, yeah, bowing our heads in prayer. And Father, we pause and we ask by your spirit that you would bring one or two or three names to mind that we can pray for, that we can bring to you in prayer today. So we just wait, maybe 15 seconds in silence. And then just pray for them in your heart. Father, thank you that you love our friends and family more than we do and that you gave everything so that that they could have a way to know you. We pray that you would break down any wall, any unbelief, doubts and fears 
and you would flood their life with your reality, your goodness, your love, conviction in their hearts to turn to you and trust in you. And Father, by your Holy Spirit, would you bring to mind now maybe one or two actions that we can do to bring people to you? And I pray that you wouldn't let us forget this idea, these ideas that are coming to mind. That later today and tomorrow, that we would be able to put these into action. And Father, today I want to end our time by blessing everyone here and everyone watching. I think of the words of Paul's prayer in the letter to the Ephesians, where he says, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love would have power together with all God's holy people to grasp how wide and high and deep is the love of Christ and that you would know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you would be filled to a measure of all the fullness of him. And we pray that you would get the glory, Jesus, that you would get the glory in form of all those beautiful, loving relationships that you're establishing with people that you would have more people trusting you and knowing your goodness. I pray a blessing on everyone here, a strengthening in your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, thank you so much. If you were encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe wherever you get your podcast. To experience other talks, videos, and gatherings, visit us at centralbaptistchurch.ca. Thanks for listening to the Central Baptist Podcast.